Welcome to LifeWorks, where we talk about life and work and making it work. I'm Hannah Greenstein, a from mompreneur on a mission just like yours, to live the mompreneur life that brings me feelings of balance and inner peace and joy. Here, I hold space for you in the many roles you play as a from mommy business owner. Join me for support, mindset, techniques, and tools around productivity, focus, and work-life balance so you can feel in balance and at peace. If you can find excitement and joy at work and at home, you will thrive in the roles you play and feel fulfilled by your life's work. And that's what I want for you. So let's get started. My amazing guest today, Meira Spivak, is the director of Aragon NCSY, where over the past 15 years, she has been developing educational programming for teens and parents. Meira helps organizations solve strategic problems through her results-driven innovation workshops. Using the systematic inventive thinking, SIT, method of creativity, Meira can teach anyone how to innovate on demand. After all, creativity is a skill that can be learned. In her past life, Meira was a caterer, aerobics instructor, and owned a gift basket business. As a mother of a large family, Meira understands the stresses of everyday life, and when she's not busy stressing about them, she's laughing at them. Hi, Meira. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm really excited. Before we get started, can you just tell us your journey in just a few minutes, how you got to where you are today? Yeah. You know, I'm one of these people that I always say, I don't have training in anything that I do. I just kind of do them and just learn later. So I'm originally from New York. I went after I had gotten married, I moved to Israel. I was there for about five and a half years. And somehow my husband and I found ourselves in Portland, Oregon, which is so cool, uh, where we started to do. Yeah, definitely not (laughs) where I ever thought I would end off doing outreach, things like that. I started working for NCSY. It wasn't official position really of time, but I've been doing that really full-time now, but I've been working with NCSY for about 15 or 16 years straight. So it's been great. I love it. And then I also just, I'm just one of these people who do a lot of things. So I'm always involved, whether it's community building, working with adults, or we started a sleep boy camp. I now teach innovation strategies, which I've learned and been trained in over the last few years. So it's fun. I, I'm really random. Like I wrote a book on Pesach, how to make Pesach in five days. So just like I like doing all these different things um, to help people to just keep myself busy. It's fun. So you mentioned the innovation strategies, and I just want to jump in right there because that is so cool. Tell us more about that. So actually, I'm one of these people that I I always thought I was creative, right? I do have creative ideas, and but I was, it was one thing that always bothered me, and that was brainstorming sessions. And I remember whenever we were in one, there would be someone at the whiteboard in the front of the room and everyone's shouting out these ideas. And I'd be the one who would be like, guys, this, this is so unrealistic. Like, why are we saying these things? Like, we're not renting out the stadium. We're not, you know, getting a blimp. Okay, we're not doing this. And I was always told, stop like being so negative. That's not how this works. It's free flow if you don't, if you don't just like the ideas. And I remember leaving these meetings, like really, I was actually even asked to leave at some point. We're like, you need to just go. You're just too negative. Oh my. (laughs) And I remember being like, I don't understand. Like what world is wrong with me, right? Like I thought I was creative. Like these ideas are silly. We're never going to use them. And we never use them. It's not like we ever use them, right? And then one day someone handed me a book called Inside the Box. I was like, inside the box, right? You always hear out of the box, think out of the box. 
And it's actually a book that teaches that creativity and innovation is not a gift, it's a skill that anybody can learn. And I start reading it and the premise is that there's actually five different templates that almost all innovations stem from. And if you just follow these five steps, you'll be innovative every single time. And for me, what was the most satisfying was when they told me that actually there are bad ideas and not all ideas are good ideas. And we don't have to write every idea on the board. I just felt like so validated, but really when I read the book, I read it multiple times. And even because I've really an outreach, I was like, I don't know how to apply this. I was like, I don't sell toilets. I'm not trying to innovate a product like a refrigerator. How am I gonna use this? So I reached out to the author, one of them being Israeli, and it was amazing. Actually from there, he actually said, you know, let's Zoom and let's set up a time to talk. And now I've been over the last few years being mentored by both the authors of the book, wow. really in this topic and, you know, started teaching innovation, how, again, how to brainstorm efficiently, how to run brainstorming meetings that go somewhere, how to do them very concisely. So we don't need a whole day and offsite. We could do things in a few minutes. And if you just ask the right questions, you could be innovative every single time. So for me, I was like, this is amazing. I'm all about efficiency. I'm all about saving time. And I'm all about let's do something. Let's not just sit and talk about things that don't get done. So to me, this was like the perfect blend. And also, you know, from a Hushkafic point of view, you know, my only tool that I had before was to say, when something, when something challenging happened, I would only be able to say Baruch Hashem. And now, but I was like, so I said, okay, great. Everything's supposed to happen. But now I'm like, no, it's not just that. I have Now I say everything happens for a reason, but I have the tools to solve the challenges. That is so cool. So that was a total revelation for me to hear that creativity is actually a skill because I always thought you're either born creative or you're not. So can you give us a crash course in creativity? I mean, I, I can't, it does take a long time. I give courses and, you know, just to develop the skill, but what I'll tell you one tip that I find is like the most helpful is that when you're facing a challenge, okay, whatever it is, you're at a block, you're, you know, you lost something, you don't have staff, you, whatever you're facing, whatever your challenge is, the number one question that is going to put you in a different mindset is asking yourself, what are the benefits of this situation? Now it sounds really funny because it doesn't mean that I'm denying that there's a challenge. So for example, you're missing staff, okay? And you're trying to accomplish something, you don't have it. So now instead of being like, well, what do we do? We don't have staff and you're beside yourself, right? You don't have the help, you don't have the manpower. So by stopping and asking that question, what are the benefits of this challenge? You're in a totally different place in mindset. And I can't, I cannot over like overstate how important this question is. And this, because what it does is, it takes you to a different place. So now instead of being like, this is terrible, right? You can't even be creative when you're so like, this is never gonna work. So the first thing you do, you ask yourself the benefits. Of course, is it annoying not to have staff? Yeah, we know. But again, the benefits, right? So you start listing them. Literally, you'll be like, well, I'm gonna save money if I don't have to pay staff. And now I don't have to check in with anyone. I could kind of make my own decisions. And as you start listing them, you're like, oh, this isn't so bad. Now, of course, nobody wants that. No one's gonna stay without staff, that's silly. But what it does is, again, it puts you somewhere else. What the, these five tools, what they do is they give you like techniques. So I'll just give you like an example of, of something that's like, like a creative and how this came about. So, you know, when you're thinking about uh, the refrigerator, okay? So there's one of the processes is called division, where literally we divide a product to come up with creative ideas. So instead of having like when they were reinventing the refrigerator, like, let's make this innovative. You're like, how can we make a refrigerator refrigerator innovative? It's like a fridge, right? But 
when you think about it and you're like, well, let's divide it up. And you're like, what do you mean divide it up? Like, why would I divide up the fridge? I want everything together. But when you take all the components of the fridge and you list it up and you're like, oh, okay. So we have the freezer and we have the fruit bins and we have the, uh, whatever the different parts. And, and now when we look back and we see, oh, the wine fridge is that little cooler in the kitchen that has, you know, one temperature and the freezer, sometimes I just want a freezer, right? So like, it makes so much sense. Like, why wouldn't we divide it up? But when you originally thinking about it, you're like, why would anyone want to do that? We have this thing that works, right? If you have an event that you're planning and you have all these pieces and you're like, we got to innovate this. So when you start and you're like, oh, let's innovate this event. You're like, I, mean, I don't know what's fine or, or where do we start? Or it's so overwhelming. And if you want to just try to innovate something and you want to do it all at one time, it's like crazy. But if you divide up the components and you say, oh, I like to do this with a fundraiser, right? Sometimes our fundraisers have like a cocktail hour or something like that before, and then you have the main speech and then you have whatever your different parts are. Let's divide it up. What would happen if the cocktail hour didn't happen right before, but it happens a week earlier at someone's house? Well, that's interesting. Why would I do that? Right. Or what would happen if I actually didn't do the fundraising at the event? I did it after or before, or what would happen if the food came, you know what I mean? So you're starting to take any event you're doing and you're like, so division is one of these ideas that in order to be innovative, you literally divide up your thing. And you're like, why don't we switch up the order? Let's take what we have, divide it into components and mix things up. And when you follow these techniques, you don't have to be born creative. You just literally have to list your parts and mix them up. So it's interesting, right? When we used to check into an airport, like we used to have to do everything there. We used to have to, you know, do our boarding passes. We have to give in our suitcases, but they said, well, why do we have to do it all here? Let's divide up the steps. Well, first we check in and then why can't we check in at home? Right. That was innovative. Why did we used to check in at the air? Everything was done at the airport, but when you divide the process into its parts, you could really be innovative. So it's number one, focusing on the opportunities and the, and the benefits, even though the challenges are real, right? If you lost money and your capital and you're like, I want to develop something that's a challenge. But if you start listening to benefits and I could tell you, if you have a budget of a million dollars to make an event, and you have no budget to make an event, I guarantee you that event with no budget is going to be more creative because sometimes the less you have, the more you're forced to do something innovative as opposed to we have all this money. We'll just get this famous speaker. We'll get this famous caterer. It's nice. It's not innovative. If you want to be innovative, imagine if we had no budget and we had to serve food, that's going to take work. Yeah. Right. And we're going to have to come up with some idea that it's never been done before. So it's really interesting. I love that. It's so cool because I know the pressure of sitting down to brainstorm or be creative and innovative. It's like, think, 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 think of that good idea. And here it's like, it's a framework. It's a framework for that thing that always felt very abstract. Yeah. You don't have to sit there and think what's the next big idea. You just follow the steps. So what does a bad idea look like? A yeah. bad idea. Well, let's put it like this. We want, when something is creative, it needs a few components. Okay. It needs to be original, right? We want it to be also simple. And that's a piece that people don't realize they're coming up with these complex things. Those aha moments that you have, like, why didn't I think of that? I always like to use the example of this pacifier that I saw once with a thermometer in it. You're like, oh, taking a baby's temperature is so annoying. Right. But if you had a thermometer, like that's so simple. Okay. That, oh, that's so creative. The simpler the idea, the better. So when you have these ideas, that yeah. we call out of our closed world. So the closed world is like your resources that are right in front of you, your staff, the money you have, 
your event, who, whatever you're doing. And that's called your closed world. Literally what's in front of you. I have my phone, I have my keys. Out of the closed world is like ideas that are like, you know, let's rent a stadium and these big ideas. So the way we talk about it in SIT, which stands for systematic inventive thinking, that's the method that we use of creativity and innovation. When you're doing this, instead of thinking about these resources out of your closed world, try to innovate with the things around you. The closer they are to you, the more likely they're going to be innovative. So it doesn't mean that you can never quote unquote rent out a stadium, but it's not necessarily innovative. The more innovative you want to be, the closer the idea has to be right in front of you. So when you think about that, when you're trying to think of a good idea, try to use your own resources. And when you say there's limited, the more limiting the resources are, the more, the more creative you're going to be forced to be. So it's not the easy way, but if you really want to be innovative, you use the ideas in front of you. So when I say a bad idea, a bad idea is this idea that's totally complex with like 10 stages or this idea that's totally out of our realm. Why are we thinking about this? Let's go into a brainstorming session and set ourselves a time limit and a budget. Let's not say the sky's the limit. Let's put every idea on the whiteboard. Why are we doing that? We don't have an unlimited budget, right? Or we have a time frame. So, you know, I ran this discussion group, right? To try to innovate and we said to them, you only ideas you could come up with are ones that could be developed within your current staff. I don't want you to tell me you're going to hire another director. It has to be within the resources, within the closed world. And the closer it is to you, the more innovative it's going to be. So cool. This is so yeah. different than, than anything I've heard. And I, I love it because I always thought I wasn't creative. So <laughs> this is very empowering. Do you have a story of that one time where there was that aha moment where something um, so innovative came out of such an unexpected place or even a person who always claimed not to be creative. You know, I can't think of like one example offhand, but I know every time we've done this, it's just, it's been effective. I'll actually tell you one interesting story. I ran this program for middle schoolers and a, a goal of ours is actually to start teaching this innovation and creativity for a young age. I wanted to make the example relevant and I said to them, let's innovate a birthday party. And I used that example throughout the entire thing, no matter what template I was teaching, we were always innovating the birthday party. But just to think these, again, fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders, whatever it was, the ideas they came up with were amazing. It was like, it was funny. And I said to them, okay, we have a birthday party. Let's do subtraction. And that's the template where we just imagine that we didn't have a resource at all. So let's imagine we had a birthday party with no guests. What, what kind of a party is that? Well, what are the benefits? Well, I don't know. I kind of do my thing. I get all the gifts. I have to get all, eat all the food. Right. And then they were like, no, but it's kind of lonely with no. And after I said, don't worry about why it's bad. We know, but it was so interesting. The ideas they came up with, cause they're so young and they don't have things stopping them. So they, you know, they're sitting there like, what's the benefits of having a party without gifts? Oh, well, what about if we donated the gifts or what about if the gifts were, and it was so eye opening, like just to take one thing that could be, again, someone's birthday party could be the most exciting event for them, or it could be terrible. Right. And to take different pieces. And I said, let's do division. Let's mix it up. Well, what would happen if the first thing you do is you don't greet your guests, but the first thing you do is eat cake. Or what about the first thing you don't like to take these pieces of an event, something we do all the time. And my kids kill it. Want to kill me sometimes. Cause I'm always like, all right, let's. And there was one week when I wanted to make schnitzel and we didn't have any breadcrumbs. And I was like, I'm only going to use what's in our closed world. And I'm not going to go buy something. I'm going to find something innovative. And I'm like, I had no breadcrumbs. I had no, I literally made like Crispix schnitzel. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. It was pretty bad, <laughs> but I felt 
it was so interesting. Oh, you know, I was just like, let's be innovative. Let's take our resources. Like when there's a problem now, whatever it, I use it all the time. What are the benefits? And I'll tell you during COVID we had lost a lot of our staff. And I remember this was in the beginning when everyone was still in shock, not sure what to do. Mm -hmm. And we still wanted to run programming. And I remember just thinking about the bad parts and, oh yeah, okay, good. Everything's for the best. Everything. And finally we asked ourselves, what are the benefits of not having staff that live here? And I said, well, you know, we came up with those ideas and we ended up making the decision to hire virtually. Now, a lot of people hire virtually now, right? But most of the people that were hiring to work virtually are our office staff, our admins. We actually hired relationship people to work virtually, which was very, I guess, innovative at the time. Like I would have someone to work virtually that they never, they don't live in the city. They never met the teens. They don't know the parents. How was that going to work? But you know what? At the end of the year, we had an amazing year. And it was an extremely strong year. And even though the staff never met the teens, they didn't know the parents, they couldn't have them over for meals, but the other programs that they were able to run online were so impactful that it made up for it. I could have just sat there the whole year and told, and you know, from today until tomorrow, why that's not gonna work. But now because I have this skill in my back pocket, I'm able to pivot so much quicker. And that to me was the biggest benefit because I would be the one that I would get, fr like not frustrated, but I would, I would be like, okay, it's not going to work. And I, now I'm not stuck for so long. I'll get stuck and I'll say, no, there's benefits. And I'm going to choose to find those benefits. I'm not going to just, um, you know, t I could tell you from today till tomorrow, I'm like a pessimist, right? So I could tell you every reason why it's not going to work, but I'm not going to do that anymore because I'm going to force myself to find the benefits and then I'm going to be able to pivot. So it's helped me in everything that I do. And it's like almost become like I've done, it's a mind shift of, no, every challenge has an opportunity and I'm going to find it. And I have the tools now to find it. So it's really exciting. This is so cool. As you're talking, I'm thinking, so you're never stuck. You never hit a roadblock because you always have somewhere to go with it. Like you always have a question to ask, even if you're not going to have that light bulb moment. First thing, you always have somewhere to go, something to think about instead of just like I'm stuck and, and stopping there, which is, which is really empowering. Yes. Yeah. So it's not, I'm not saying I never get stuck. I get stuck all the time, but I'm able to pivot fast. Right. Yeah. And the more I do this and the more I strengthen that muscle, I have the tools. That's what it was. I didn't have the tools before. Now I have the tools. So it's really, I mean, I love it. I feel like everybody should learn SIT. I talk about it to everyone. I run courses for it. It's amazing. And even the brainstorming sessions, they're so much faster that what you could get done in 15 minutes, people it normally takes days and they're not even done. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. You could have literally brainstorming sessions that last for days, minutes, minutes, minutes. You can come up with an idea. Because you have a framework for it. You're, you're being led by, by these skills. Wow. Yeah. How would you say this applies to creative work? I'm a copywriter, so I'm thinking about applying this to my work of writing websites. So it's not as big as an event or as even I would say tactical as making schnitzel, but how do you use this creative thinking to get you out of that rut of same old and bring something new to the table? So I think one of the lessons that I've learned from COVID is there are no more rules anymore and anything could be at any time, right? And there's no, and I think let's say you're doing copywriting or marketing and you're at a blank paper, right? So we have this general pattern of the way we do things, right? So maybe some people start sketching or they, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a marketer. I really, I don't know the process, but what you could do to be more innovative 
is to start again, if you apply a template. So again, for subtraction, if I was doing subtraction, I would imagine if I was in my field, I would imagine how was I going to do this with no budget? So in your field, you might have, if somebody's on a paper or has, you know, a budget. So imagine there was no budget to do this. Imagine we couldn't only use an, this, this ad couldn't use any color. Imagine that we could only use images and no words. So you start applying these templates and you're like, what? First you're like, no, are you kidding me? No words. How is anyone going to know where to go? Right. What are the benefits of no words? Well, if we had a picture that was so powerful, we wouldn't need words. Now, does it mean at the end you're not going to use words? N maybe not. Or maybe you found the most powerful picture. They needed like one word or two words. And it was one of these ads that were just needed the name and there was nothing else. Right. So what you start doing is by applying these templates, you're literally forcing yourself to think differently. Again, when you think outside the box, you're like, what do I think about? You know, someone's like, okay, be innovative. And you're like, how? Yes. What you're going to do is you're going to follow these steps and you're going to force yourself to think differently. What about if you divided the ad and it ran over three different weeks and there was a continuation or you only showed a third of the page and they had to wait for the next week to find out there. I don't know. You know what I mean? But like you're literally applying it and forcing yourself. You don't have these options anymore. You can't have a regular ad. You have to have an ad that's divided or multiplied, or we use the different templates, but it's really, it's forcing you. You have no choice, but you have to think differently. That's what I use. And no matter what it is, if you're planning an event or making schnitzel or designing an ad, take the rules the way you always followed it. And then take things away, give yourself more restrictions. The more restrictions that you put on yourself, the more innovative you're going to be. Meira, I love this. My brain is sparking. I'm like, I can't wait to get back to work. My clients are so lucky. <laughs> it really is just a really a different way of thinking. I love it. Okay, let's move on. You do so many things. You have so much to, to share with us. I know you talk about getting things done. After the excitement of getting started wears off, how do we push through to wrapping things up? You know, I think really just getting in a routine is probably of the top of the list in terms of getting things done, like having a schedule, right? I have a family, I'm busy. I want to get work done. I have all these things that come up. So the less you have to think about things, the easier it's going to be to get things in routine. So if every single day I have to start being like, what's for dinner? Or you start, it makes things much harder, right? So I go this simple route. I'm like, it's noodles again. <laughs> it's no problem. <laughs> but the more you can really take away the thought process of what you're doing and just get it into that routine, it's really gonna help you. So I actually was doing this little time management class the other week and I was telling people, and this is like silly, but I do this sometimes. I have really limited time and I need to get things done. So I do schedule sometimes to a to a T and it's a little bit tight, especially with Zoom, because you're like never sure when, you know, a meeting starts at one and the next one's at two. When do I end that first meeting? Because <laughs> you're always like running into the next one. <laughs> but when I go to a supermarket, I'm serious, I will mentally or even physically set a timer of how long I want to be in that store. And not even that I'm going to work backwards. So I have to be in the car in half an hour. That means in 20 minutes, I need to be paying. That means in 50 and I I'm literally doing this and I'm going to walk out and because I I'm on a time crunch, right? I really have a lot to get done. So the, the more, again, the things are routine, the easier it's going to be for you, but the more aware you are of time my family, I, I say this a lot, but I'm like, at some point, 
we're at a schedule. And if you wait to the last minute, you've lost your right. Like I had a son once that we were leaving the house and he was always waking up late. And it was like, I don't know what time we want to get out at eight o'clock. And it was like five thirty, starting to make a coffee. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm having coffee. I'm like, no, you've lost your right to have a coffee. Like you want a coffee, you got to get up half an hour before and get ready. And then we come, you're not getting a coffee. <laughs> like, I'm like, you're not even going to the bathroom anymore. Like you had time to do like, we got to move. We have to stay on a schedule. So, you know, it's for good and for bad. I'm a little overscheduled. I think that you could think about things and how long they take, right? We don't realize how long things take. We're like, oh, I'll just do this, but they take time. So setting a timing for yourself and saying, I don't know how long this is going to take, but I know that I can't give it more than a half an hour. So you're going to set a time. You might give yourself a, in 10 minutes, you get a warning, 10 more minutes, you know, and you're just refocusing yourself to say, I'm on a schedule. I have a lot to get done and I have to finish. And if I don't finish, which happens a lot, or I have a meeting or it gets pushed off, I reschedule it. So I'm constantly using my phone. I'm constantly setting a calendar. And when I do that, I'm setting alarms for myself. I'll even set an alarm to remember, not even to go somewhere. Like I'll set an alarm to remember to prepare for a meeting. And when that goes off, if I can't prepare, then I'm not snoozing, but I'm rescheduling that event. So I had it scheduled for eight and then I couldn't do it. So I rescheduled for nine. I rescheduled for the next day. But if it's not rescheduled, I'm going to forget. So, and also, by the way, I not only have a calendar on my phone, but I'm checking the calendar the night before. What do I have right in the morning? I'm looking at what are my meetings? So I'm really prepared that I'm like, oh, I have this at 12. Oh, I have to prepare for it. And I'm making sure that I'm ready. So it's a lot of like, I guess, time management skills. But if you want to get a lot done, then some of those tips have helped me. But that's kind of what I do. Yeah. I totally, I really, I, I live by my calendar and I schedule everything in and I just get reminders for every task. Even when I'm sitting at my desk, it's ping, it's time to stop working on this and start working on the next client, which I love. It's, it's really, it's how I get things done. Yeah. So I love that. Okay. So let's talk about leadership. You do leadership training and coaching. So can you tell us a little bit about that? How should a leader view their position as a leader so that they can most effectively lead without being controlling. Okay. I, I think it's really important that a leader has a vision for where they want to go and their goal is to inspire others to get there with them. I've actually been trained also in the OKR management system, which is a very structured management system. It's used by Google and a lot of bigger companies where we have our teams focusing, not just on results, but really on the efforts. And I think it's super healthy for like a psychologically safe environment. People know exactly where they are and where they need to be. But for a leader, it's very hard for us because we want to do a lot of things. And if we're trying to do everything, right, we end up doing, I don't want to say nothing, but we don't do a lot well. And as a multitasker, right, I don't do a lot of things well. But if someone is, is if you're trying to set a vision for something, you know where to go, you have to be focused because otherwise a million things come up that all seem like they're in the realm of what you do and it's hard to say no. So if you're in marketing and you don't know that you're just a marketer that works with a specific niche, then everything that anything could come up and someone will say, well, do you want this job? And you're like, I think so. Yeah, I guess it's money, right? How do I know? But if you're focused on where you want to go and the direction of your company or whatever you're doing, okay, it could even be you're running a nonprofit event or it could be you're doing something for your business, but you need that clarity of vision. And the more focused you are, again, the more you're able to say no and the more healthy it is and the more people are on board with you. So I think that inspiring others to a vision is super important for a leader like really together, having that clarity of knowing exactly where we want to go, knowing that we can't do everything now, 
right? It could be yes and, it could be yes later, it could be no now, but we have to know and we have to be comfortable saying no. And then people will, I think, just inspiring people to want to get there with you. So, you know, we don't want to have to micromanage people, but I think that if we're inspiring enough, people will want to join our team. And it's hard to do, but I think that is really a goal of a leader. I love that. And I think so much of what you said applies even to someone who's leading their own business without a staff, but that clarity of vision just applies as a solopreneur to how they lead their business and their own success. Clarity is so important. It's the foundation for everything. And I was going to just say, I think it really, it leads also into work-life balance because just like with someone's own children, right? Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to someone else. If you don't have the clarity, then you're saying yes to everyone and everything, and you're volunteering for this, and you're helping with that, then you're putting your family last. So, you know, it's also an interesting piece. And it's something that I'm working on myself, just, you know, work-life balance, because I'm the type of person that's always, you know, I'm back to work in my my head, and I have to, you know, take that time and, and not just be saying yes to everybody, being really focused and saying, I'm doing this. And it might mean that I'm not volunteering for all these different events right now, or I'm not helping this person, or I just, sometimes I can't. And saying no is actually the right thing to do and the nice thing to do because I'm saying yes to other people that are important in my life. So it, the whole thing kind of comes together. Yes, totally. I had a time when I really decided to get clear um, on what work-life balance meant to me, just very practically in terms of how many hours and what hours I wanted to be at my desk. And that month was the first time that I felt like I knew exactly who and what to say yes and no to because when a client project came up that I knew would take more time than I had at my desk, it wasn't like, well, we could try to make it work and I could do extra babysitting. And it was clear. I had already laid down the law. These are the hours I'm at my desk. And that clarity really contributed, like you're saying, everything to my work-life balance. Right. And again, it goes back to the innovation, right? The more restrictions, the more of a framework you have, the more creativity, the more innovate, the more stress, everything, everything's just clearer because as opposed to having these endless possibilities, these endless ideas, when you're confined in a way, it really causes a lot more creativity, a lot more productivity. Yeah. So great way to come full circle. Meira, can you tell us what the number one place or thing or person you turn to for support on this mompreneur journey as a from woman, which could sometimes be lonely and is definitely not it's not the easy thing to do. Where do you find your support? That's a good question. It's funny. We live in Portland, Oregon, so I don't have family here. I mean, I have friends. It's not the same, right? We don't have everybody just around us. I do use, and my husband, it really is a big source of support for me. And also in the work that I do, like I really try to set myself up with a team. So, you know, I love the staff that I work with, you know, in, in NCSY and I just, I think for me, at least I really thrive in a team and just knowing that people are there, even if I don't work with them and maybe they're in, they're not even in my city, they live in another state, but just knowing that people are there that, you know, you could bounce ideas off of, you know, who can keep you in check and say, wait a minute, didn't you pick a different priority while you're working on this? Right. And just to keep me focused is something that's really been helpful for me. So I like to really surround myself by a strong team, whether it's my city, whether it's outside, but just by support, whether it's family or friends, but just people that will keep you in check and get you where you want to go. 
Now, I have so many practical takeaways um, from this talk, so much in terms of innovative thinking and then really getting clear on my vision and letting that clarity lead me. And then in terms of time management, now I have really yeah. remembering that I have a schedule to stick to and using that sort of self-imposed pressure to get things done. Let's make this really actionable for listeners to turn this insight into action. What doable and impactful action are you challenging them to right now? Again, I said it before and I'm gonna, I keep saying it, but I really think it's knowing that there's an opportunity in every challenge and challenging yourself to finding it. That to me is going to really just make a difference. So you might have a work-life balance challenge or you might have, it's okay. It's true. So what are the, what are the benefits of where you're, what you're in, what you're stuck with? Let's list them. Let's own them. And then let's see, oh, I didn't think of it like that. Oh, I didn't realize that that was a benefit. And then let's get rid of the bad parts. We'll, we'll focus on the opportunities. But again, it will change your entire mindset and it will help you from not getting stuck. It's that pivoting. It's that the quicker you could pivot because we all get stuck. But how long? Do we crash for an hour? Do we just get a coffee and we're fine? Is it a day? Are we in bed for a week? Like how long are things throwing us off for? And I, one of my mottos is nothing's a big deal unless you make it a big deal. And obviously things are big deals, right? But we don't have to make it into a big deal and that it doesn't become as big of a deal as it needs to be, right? Some could be focusing on um, the trauma that's happening in your life or sickness or, and all these things are real. But the question is what do we wanna focus on? And the quicker we can start focusing on the positive or how we could turn this challenge into an opportunity, right? You hear these stories, these people sick or whatever, and they take it as a way and they start spreading kindness everywhere. Like the person had a choice and they decided to pivot quicker and to focus on the opportunity as opposed to on the challenge. The challenge is real, but if we were able to get past it, are we able to focus on that opportunity? We'll be able to pivot quicker and then come up with innovative or even just strong solutions in a really effective and efficient way. So powerful. And if any of our listeners want to hear more or consider working with you, find you, where can they learn more? Yeah, you can check out my website, meiraspivak.com. So it's my name, Meira, M-E-I-R-A-S-P-I-V-A-K.com. And uh, you could connect also with me through LinkedIn or Facebook or social media. I'm around. So, and I do try to get back to people. I am happy to take any questions that people have. And uh, thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with me today. As always, head to lifeworkspodcast.com because that's where the party's at. Drop a comment, hashtag iLifeWorked on this episode to let our community know that you took the challenge and encourage others to do the same. If you want to hear more about what I do for firmopreneurs and how we can work together, reach out, Hana at lifeworkspodcast.com. Wishing you a day of work and life that work to bring you tremendous fulfillment and joy. Till next time, I'll see you here and again. Thanks for being a part of our incredible community.